Guys, this is my lawyer. How you doing? What's up, man? Now, Mark, the terms of your Uncle Frederick's will state that you must spend one night in his uh, house in order to inherit his estate. Now, it is my duty as executor to ensure that you fulfill his request. Do you mean all I have to do is spend one night here and the place is mine? No problem. No problem? Yo, let me ask you a question. Who is this Uncle Frederick, anyway? Well, he's from a part of my family you never mentioned. I won't mention any of your family. <laughs> yeah, let's just get this, this gig over here. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. of startling monster horror tales of terror. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the vault of startling monster horror tales of terror. We're back. Get get on your Google Maps. We're back on Elm Street for the fourth time. It's Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Dream Master. Master, I'm, Master. I'm Chris Honeywell, and my I'm here with my Echo, Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. Take that, motherfucker! And uh, them Jack and Eddie boys, we got Luke Jack and Eddie. Deb, do us a favor and get a VCR. And sliding across the hood to hop into the passenger seat, Jason Jack and Eddie. Hey, yo, Needle Dick, I bet you're the only male in this school suffering from penis envy. That's why I didn't take that line, because I knew somebody else was going to take it. Well, I, I have other ones. I, I have a whole bunch of other ones. If the, I, if I, the food don't kill you, the service will. Oh, well, I ain't Dr. Seuss. You know, yeah, kind of thing. No, I got no, no, all, these, all these great Freddy lines in here, none of us used any of them, you know? know. Yeah, <laughs> they're great ones. Well, this is where how sweet fresh meat comes from. And But but I had I had to go with, yo, needle dick. Because that's just a great line because that's it's like one the, of the, the Lubbock babes. And yeah. I love the Lubbock babes. Brooke thesis. <laughs> needle, di- needle dick is very 80s, too. It is. Yeah. It is. And I she almost, was very 80s. I, I almost so. went with... Yeah, I almost went with Rick, you little meatball. Yeah, my, my <laughs> awesome little baby. <laughs> you little meatball. Oh, my God. I just love There's... soul food. <laughs> <laughs> I've been guarding well, my gate a long time, bitch. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mentioned this the last time, and it, it's weird because watching this film reminded me of Long ago, at the end of the last great ice age, when we covered a night, uh, Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. And those of you who listened to that episode may remember that Mighty Mike Bailey was our guest star on that episode. And Mike talked about how that that was his favorite one in the Nightmare series, despite understanding that it was not the best. And that it followed after what is considered by many to the, be the best Friday film in Friday the 13th, Part 4. Now, I fall into a very similar boat here. 
I know that the Dream Master is not the best of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. It follows after what is generally considered to be the best in the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. But man, do I like this movie. This movie <laughs> was on all the damn oh, fuck yeah. time on cable and I'm, on WPIX. I, I, at one point, I watched this movie. It was on, I guess, on TNT. It was on the rotation one time when, when I was in college. And I must have watched it with talking to my brother over, this is going to date me, AOL Instant Messenger at least like oh 10 my God. times. Weird. It's yeah. like, Ed is like, and there goes the pizza, you know, or whatever. <laughs> That's just back yeah. and forth. So I have a lot of affection for this film. Even I though well, I, you gotta, I, I know it's yeah. not the best one in the series. We, I, you got to remember, though, too, and, and sorry, just real quick, for, for what Luke's talking about there, we didn't get cable until kind of late in the game because the, the road we lived on, cable was on the main road. We lived on a dirt road, and they wouldn't bring cable down the dirt road until that one fateful day we got home. Remember, Luke, walking down the road? Go, yep. Why is there a cable truck? Do we have cable? And we watched AWA Wrestling for the first time. And, oh, excuse me. It was A to B A or World Class. I don't remember. All I know is it was a blur. That, yeah. and well, kinda... We watched that, and you can't do that on television. On television, right? <laughs> For our first time at our own house, right? And what happened was um, HBO, because it was only HBO and Showtime, so there was not all the major channels. This was the movie that they showed, and this was the first Friday, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie that we had seen actually uncut. Uncut. Because we only, only we had the ones we had seen on TV on like WPIX or, or, or uh, WNYW, which was um, Fox, Fox, right? Later, later Fox, right? Yeah, this predates this Fox. Is the, yeah. Yes, this was the first one we had seen uncut. So it always holds that place for you because it kind of it pops your friggin' nightmare cherry, you know, for officially. And then we saw the others later on, but like this was like this is this is what a this was this a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies like. They're swearing and naked people and killing, you know, kind of yeah. thing. So, because without na- swearing, naked people and killing, you know, they kind of get short. The movie, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> they're short to begin with. I, yes. I was led <laughs> to believe this was going to be a different movie than it was. I, I, I'd heard terrible things about it, or that this was where it got to be just sort of a parody of itself. Mm, and I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I thought it was. Even though it did have more gimmicky deaths, I don't. I don't think it. It didn't feel as gimmicky because the characters weren't pricks. For they they were well, some they were they were pretty um, sympathetic. The parents were yeah. still pricks, but right. But it's a it's a nightmare movie. The parents are supposed yeah, to be pricks. But it wasn't well, just a whole is... a whole band of teenagers that you're like, man, I can't wait till Freddy starts, you know, carving into them and. And all that, like the, the, their deaths are pretty nasty. Yeah, it, yeah. it's, well, the thing it's is, like the most formulaic one I think so far. Yes. It's, well, the probably the highest Rennie... grossing one until Freddy versus Jason. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, R- Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan had made one movie before this, the movie called Prison, which is actually a pretty good movie um, that was kind of lost for years. And what? And he made it right before he made this. And um, there's a lot of stories about like how he looked like a homeless person that always had the same clothes on because he just didn't have a job and they finally gave him a job because they felt bad because he was like looking like he was like living outside their their studio. Um, but he didn't speak English very well and they didn't have a script that was finished and they didn't have like so uh, his original version of this movie they had to go back and recut some stuff because they said it was too gimmicky and too it was it was the it was too silly. And because he was trying to make it 
the as he called it the MTV nightmare. That's what this movie is known yeah, as. The what this one nightmare. is, man. Yep, it is. But it is. And 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 the funny part is, um, you know, when when uh, when Joey is, uh, you know, he's sleeping there, and that you know the, the commercial comes on, he goes, "In the morning, you know, I get up and I walk the dog and I watch MTV, like the 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 commercial for MTV on MTV there." Yeah. Saw that commercial uh, last night or no, two nights ago, on I want my eighties. Yeah. Uh, on on whatever, and it came on. I go, and it showed that commercial. I go, oh, uh, Nightmare Four, you know, kind of thing. So, <laughs> it it was, but that's that's what makes the movie. I think what made the movie kind of stand out is again, th- after three, three was supposed to be the end, and what happened was three. The budget was what four point five million. They made forty four point seven million back in eighty seven a yeah, year earlier. They, yeah, yeah. They were like, we're not like that's they make we're taking ten, you know. A 10, 10, you know, that's crazy. You can't make it's 10 not times. Over what you spent. I say it's over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the budget on this film, it, there's some range on what it says. Some say it was seven, up to 13 million in that range, depending on what it was, but it made $49 million. Yep. So there was no way, like, they knew what they had. As long as they put Robert England, and, and this is the first movie where Robert England is, is listed as the lead star in the movie, right? And Freddie was becoming. This is this is when Fred, Freddie had just started. Kind of, he became a mainstream kind of thing after two. He better be the lead guy. Mainstream. He's like the only thing that's been in all the no, movies. That's the problem. He his he was never listed as the main actor. And what happened was after three made so much money. There was so much talk about three. And three is certainly not a a funny movie. Three has it has its parts where you're kind of like the wink, wink you know, but it's not Freddie doing shtick. This was when Freddy became the cartoon, mm-hmm. like everything became. If if they were, uh, Ronald Reagan said, uh, you know the the they were talking about the Cold War, whatever. They're gonna it's like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. If there was something bad, it's a nightmare in this. It's a nightmare in that. The word nightmare became huge. Robert England went on talk shows. It was just there was Freddy yeah. pajamas kids there was the freddy the freddy phone number this is what got uh freddy night freddy's nightmares made i, the I TV just sh- look at it that that freddy's gotten so powerful or he's le- he keeps learning more so he can get more intricate and ridiculous when when he finally takes their souls you know yeah. he can yeah. do the ro- he's like i've been working on this roach motel shtick for <laughs> yeah. ages man i've been fucking Hanging around in David Cronenberg's nightmares, just like waiting to do this one. That that was think, my but, alternate line. Actually, was you check in, but you don't check out. <laughs> but think about that yeah. scene. Like if that could totally face. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Um, the, that scene could have played with with the cockroach you're saying right there. That scene, when you look at like how they filmed it and stuff, you know, it's it's her with the arms on and stuff, and it looks kind of weird. But they cut it together well. The whole movie is cut like a music video, yeah. And that's what he was trying to do. I mean, uh, the one uh, Rennie Harlan uh, after this became like a mega star and hangs out with Steven Spielberg and you know Bruce Willis and whatever, right? He goes and makes his his big movies. But he, you could see that this guy had an idea of what he wanted to do, and that's why I think Nightmare Four again, I think gets because it comes after three, and it's so hard to compare you. It's, it's he like, had weird like it's... color themes working, and there was yeah. some, something. Oh yeah, this working, movie like, is yellow nice. is in it. There's yellow colors yeah. and yellow bot like products. There's always yellow products like all over, and I'm trying to figure out 
what does that mean? Because usually they're working with the Freddy's shirt theme, yeah. you know, when you're putting the backgrounds in and stuff. And this would have, like, mustard on a plate, but, like, almost every scene would have a flashing yellow light on a car and stuff. And I'm like, this guy likes the color yellow, and he's putting it in here for a reason. And I, I never... like yellow, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, you could see there was some, there, there was some thought in it. It wasn't... I, I've always been led to believe that by this time in, in the Nightmare on Elm Street season or series, they were just sort of crapping them out, you know? That's the next one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, even then, but, you know, Five it's funny. Is... Well, you, but even then, you talk about color choices and stuff, and I think, uh, Chris, you'll see some interesting stuff dealing with color in The Dream Child as well. But, you know, the yeah. thing about this that always kind of struck me is that after the both this film and Dream Warriors are – Definitely, you know, they, they've cemented the Nightmare series as the horror franchise with all the special effects. Yep. You know, that that is that is their bread and butter at this point. We're going to have some really crazy shit that we're going to show you in this. And that became kind of its calling card for a long time. Now, what's interesting about this and one of the other reasons why I think this became such a popular programming choice for both. Uh, HBO, obviously, because HBO was the new one, so of course they're going to show it. But then later, finding a second life sort of on basic cable and tying into it being the MTV nightmare is a lot of these kills are not very graphic. No. They are creative. They are, you know, when we, we talked about Hell Labs on a previous Nightmare episode, they tie in with the weakness of the character and what their flaw is and how Freddy is exploiting it. But you can put a lot of these straight onto basic cable at 8 o'clock at night without trimming it down too much. And that is a, that's, you know, there, there's something to be said for that. You know, as, as horror hounds, a lot of times it's like, well, you know, we want, we want a, a geek show. We want gore and grew and everything else. But in a situation like this, where it's a supernatural sort of killer with Freddy Krueger, yeah, you could have him stabbing some pe somebody with a, with a claw. You know, that's, that's perfectly acceptable. He does it to Kincaid here. But the more, you know, throwing uh, Kristen in the, in the furnace, you know, drowning Joey. A side note: Joey's weakness still blondes, apparently. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah. yeah. But uh, but things yeah. like that. You know, the uh, uh, sucking all the sucking all of Sheila's air out. You know, uh, breaking you know breaking Debbie's uh, uh, arms and then sticking her in the Roach Motel. They are uh, fighting Rick as an invisible ninja. All that the stuff. Worst, it, which the is worst I mean, it's, part of it. Yeah, that one's pretty weak. But from a storyline. But again, but there's nothing you need to cut. So it, no. it to, no, but no, what it does is what it does is it shows it from a more it's a more creative way of dealing with his power and it works. I, I actually really like a lot of those just because it, it's different and it's creative and it's not just Freddy ripping somebody apart. It's like, okay, that's cool, but you know what? That at this time, now you are seeing the schism. It's like, okay, Jason Voorhees tears people limb from limb. Freddy Krueger fucks with people. And that is what this movie does really well is Freddy fucks with people because yeah. he's having a he's having a blast ruining your life and stealing your soul. Yeah. And that's one of the I always liked about this. And they talk about, you know, Freddy's character becoming a prankster and a clown. It's like, yeah, he's a prankster and a clown and he's funny, but he's still, you know, again, he's he's still he's murdering children. children. He's, he's murdering collecting children. your soul. Yeah. Right. So it's it's like you laugh, but it's yeah, maybe I shouldn't be laughing too much, you know. Yeah, this 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 is. I mean, this movie has one of probably the most iconic Freddy images of all time. Yeah, him putting on the fucking Ray Bans. Oh I mean, yeah. Oh. Okay, so, so that the is thing like is, as, and, and that, that yeah. whole sequence is it's 
great. You know, there, there's it, a meme that goes that around. Let me, shorter. Let me let me just that, add this real quick. There's a meme sure. that's just been going around for a couple of years that, you know, my childhood had made me believe that quicksand was going to be a bigger problem than it's turned out to be in my adult life. This film, <laughs> part of the problem. Part of yeah. the problem. That's all I'm so, saying. Okay, carry on. Okay, so um, <laughs> what, we, what we haven't mentioned yet is that uh, uh, Patricia Arquette was not was not able to come back for the role uh, here. So they, they Tuesday night is, is, is cast in the role, right? You know, she's cast as... Uh, um, what do you call? Them? Oh crap! I just forgot her name. Not Kristen. Alice. She's cast Kristen. 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 Tina. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Tina. No, not Tina. Jesus. No, no. Kristen. 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 Tina's. Tina's the, Tina the first movie, and, okay. and Alice is the one she gives the powers to. So Tuesday night is in that scene, and that scene was actually supposed to be longer. Now Tuesday night is supposed to be wearing like the tiniest string bikini ever. And Rennie Harlan's like, no, 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 no. You, you wear this. You're beautiful. Your body is beautiful. And it's so funny to hear them talk about this uh, during the documentaries and stuff. And, and he, and so she wears that giant, like, you know, bottom there, like the cover up. And there's more to the scene, but they had to cut stuff down because it just didn't flow well. Because he wanted it to be kind of, but when, when, when the, when the, the fingers, when, when the hand comes up and turns into the shark, yeah. right, the glove coming up there. If you free, if you f go frame by frame, when it hits the sandcastle, there's a frame shot of the house in there. Oh, right? mm. it's crazy. And then he's chasing her. And I always thought that was so cool to have the fingers turn into the shark, shark and coming after her. And Luke's right, the quicksand thing. Like I really thought quicksand was a big problem. I was like, man, I don't yeah. want to mess with quicksand, right? But he went, uh, he's when he's killing her. I mean, when, when he doesn't kill her, when he sucks her down into the house what do we notice in the house the rotating room again yeah. that same theme again comes up over again and again that rotating th room and what we notice is this is that uh, uh kristen pulls in alice into the dream right and then she gives her all the powers she's able to pull people into her dream and that's her you know that's her power and stuff and then she takes everyone else's power it's kind of like highlander if you haven't, yeah. I, I don't know if anyone. <laughs> there can be only one. Only one, exactly. Maybe the wrestling was so bad he cut his own head off. <laughs> so, he pulls her in, and that scene where he throws her in there, because there's, as you think about this, who, Fred, who are Freddy's? I mean, Jason Voorhees has people who are standing up to him, whatever kind of thing. Freddy's always had this problem with the girl he can't get. You know what I'm saying? Like it was Nancy, and then it was Nancy again. And it was, you know, it's, it's Kristen, like it's Kristen here. He can't beat her. So, and he finally does. And what happens? She passes all the power to Alice. And that's, that's Lisa Wilcox played Alice. And when you notice, Lisa Wilcox is not a bad looking uh, young woman at that point. Um, she's actually very pretty now. Uh, she had said, she goes, well, I know I, Alice was perfect for me because I never thought I'd have a boyfriend. I thought I was totally a loser like this. And you're like looking at her going, really? Because when she becomes the badass at the end. Yeah. That's what I figured she looked like. She was that kind of like introverted, very quiet. And th this movie helped her break out of that that mold. So it's just kind of that's always always kind of funny uh, when you see this. Like here's Tuesday Night, who sang the opening of the movie, the opening song of the movie. Tuesday Night sang it. Yep. Uh, so cheesy. That yep. It is, of course. But so, but it's so perfect for the MTV Nightmare, though. Yeah. yeah. It's not just one genre of music. It's all sorts of stuff we can put on this soundtrack <laughs> to make videos for, so you can go buy my album. <laughs> the fat boys rap at the end with him yes. is 
that video is crazy. But uh, yeah. What yeah, what I'm saying is that you've noticed that like you kind of have like Freddy's like, oh, I f she's the last of the Elm Street kids. And what happens is if she's the last, then he's done. Right. If, yes. if Alice is not pulled into that dream, Freddy is done. So part of me always wondered, like, did he he knows he can, she can pull somebody in. You know, he's kind of goading her into pulling somebody in. Is he know that she can be able to do this? Because once she, I mean, I don't know if he knows he can, she can pass the powers, but once you pull somebody in, then that person will start. That's that's a, a lot of the themes they explore later on. In Jason, yeah, uh, Jason, well, Freddy, Freddy versus Jason. But the other thing here Jason. is that there's Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, there's always yeah. been a cre. Uh, to me, there's an aspect of this film that was again, it was fixed via retcon, and it's just what you're talking about. Is if he kills Kristen. Who, what's going to give him his power? And um, um, Kincaid refers to this. He says, you keep going in there, it might stir him up again. And yeah. that's the only indication we get of it that later gets fleshed out that without the fear that, that the people have of Fred Krueger, without that psychic energy, he has no power. He's the, and, he's you know, the reverse Tinkerbell. Right. People, yeah, if, if you don't <laughs> believe in him, he'll die. So... But, um, and, 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 you know, and, and even, um, what's her name? Pa uh, Debbie says that. She goes, I don't believe in you. Yeah. I believe in you. Because at that point, <laughs> she, even though she says, which is, that's a great C.S. Lewis joke right there, you know, because you talk about Alice in Wonderland. That's, just, that's, uh, you know, not, uh, yeah. not C.S. Lewis, Alice, um, Lewis Carroll, you know, because yeah. Alice said to the, the unicorn, it's like, I, you know, uh, I didn't believe in you. And he goes, well, I never believed in you. If you believe in me, I'll believe in you. So, it's a little Alice, Alice in Wonderland uh, joke there, but yeah. So that all that that, def, that explained it in a way that was later retconned and made codified. Here it's kind of alluded to because it's like, well, like you said, if he gets rid of her, why will he still be there? Does he want Kristen to pull somebody in to start this again? And this theme gets not only in Freddy versus Jason, but in Freddy's Dead. This becomes yep. a theme. Every town has an Elm Street. Yep, which is another great line and. You know, Hero, you alluded to the iconic shot of Freddy wearing the Ray-Bans, which is like, do you get more 1980s than Fred Krueger <laughs> wearing Ray-Bans? The only thing more 80s than that, you remember when we watched Trick or Treat and the mom was dressed as Madonna and her date yep. was dressed as Rambo? That's about as 80s as that is. <laughs> uh, I put I put the image in the chat. This yeah, is to the, me the, the, slash, the slash lockers. This is to me the yeah. iconic image of Nightmare 4 because this was all over the damn place. I remember yeah. drawing this in art class before I'd even seen the movie, that image. And and who does Fred Krueger target? High school kids. Who does he target when he was when he was a child killer? Before he was a supernatural killer? High school kids. This is what he does. He fought he, he who kills are these movies kids. targeting. <laughs> High school, high school kids. kids. Exactly. So this, this is that's what this is. Chris right Tyler, there. what's your basement full of? <laughs> <laughs> Close. I didn't say. Freddie says. Yeah, you almost, you almost got me there, Honeywell. <laughs> you know, uh, but no. So again, but it's something like this that's a striking image. That's not something like that. We're going to have to cut this out because it's too gr gruesome. You know, so we we can go with more uh, a more kind of subtle approach in some of this stuff. Uh, little subtle thing I noticed when. We're 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 working all sorts of connective tissue. We're blowing seven different kinds of smoke up in this episode. When Alice goes to the movie theater, Reefer Madness is playing. Honeywell, your favorite, of course. And um, so prisoner is this? Is it prisoners I on the wall? Actually, don't like the that on the movie wall is a lot, man. I uh, I think but, it's okay. fake news. Fake news, man. Check your privilege. But anyway, um, 
what is one of the posters when she's coming in is hairspray yeah and if you remember in hairspray stepping on the roaches and crushing the roaches oh, in hairspray wow. so immediately that's what i thought was oh hairspray that's right crushing the roaches and then when she goes into the theater of course it, it's a it's a horror movie where somebody goes to a movie theater so they get a she gets popcorn and a soda just like Sam Neill did way back in In the Mouth of Madness, as we saw when we yeah. were doing our John Carpenter films. You have to. In a horror movie, you go to the movies, of course you get popcorn and a soda. You're at the movies watching a movie. That's what you do, you know, because that's not meta. Yeah. <laughs> so and it might I, like just said, be a slow point in the movie where you might want to go get popcorn. In a... Yeah. <laughs> well, the, but that, that, that scene, whole, but, but that, again, that, that sequence, is, again, is, yeah. is something that's not, it, it's it's effective. I like her yeah. getting pulled in and the, with all the, with her, with her, it's a cool effect where they, they pull all, the, yeah. all the, the popcorn and all that, but just the idea of her being sucked in and everyone doing the art house clap because they're so impressed with how, deep and meaningful this movie is that they're watching so again they did that by they they did that again uh they bolted all the seats down everything is bolted down the actors are strapped in the chairs and they tilted the room yeah they physically tilted the room no they they, they didn't know how to do it they were like well we got this again they had the room that tilted so they did it and they shot the the popcorn and stuff they go we got to get this that there's no there's no props to that as the room tilted they just shot in tight yeah. Uh, they did all the shots. They shot in tight on the popcorn, and that was the natural way the popcorn fell and the soda. It's all in slow motion, but that's awesome. That little, like, nowadays it'd all be CG, but it's yeah. so good because it's there. And when she hits the screen, there's yeah, no cut. Transition is great. Right? Yeah. That's the first time that was ever done in the movie that was invented for that. They, 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 they had to come up with a way to do that. So when she hit the screen to change over the color... They were like, well, we don't know what we're doing, and they and the special effects team. Now, the effects in this movie, Kevin Yeager was the head. Uh, he did the head uh, effects for the movie. Remember, Kevin Yeager uh, is Kevin Yeager is really very important in Hollywood, but he obviously did the effects for Freddy. Uh, and this one, Howard Berger actually did all Freddy's makeup effects, um, and then they brought in Steve Johnson, Screaming Mad George, George Carler Bueller. They yep. brought in who's who. I mean, of, of whatever, if you want to say this movie, it was $13, $13 million in budget. I'm guarantee you most of that went to those gentlemen yep. and their props they were making and everything else. Um, when when she falls into the screen, they had to figure that's all the different kind of effects. But Screaming Mad George had did the effects where the arms break and stuff. That's him. Um, the giant Freddy body, that's Steve Johnson. Like, everyone had their own gimmick. Uh, Gags, gags, quote unquote. Yeah, their own own gag, yeah. And and this will continue. Yeah, and this will continue for the rest of the series. Yeah. Up up to, um, you know, up up to and including um, New Nightmare, I want to say, that they had all these different effects. Because, like I said, this was the horror franchise with the effects. And so they'd have, they'd bring in teams of guys. It's like, okay, this is your sequence. Go. And that was the only way they were going to get it done on time and on budget was to break it up and have people specialize and do different things. And what it what it what I've always liked about that is that not everything looks the same. Yeah. And so you know, sometimes you get uh, one effects house and not not in a in a negative way, but okay, okay, you look at that, dreams, you look at that it's effect. Everybody's different dreams. So. Exactly. So it's it's the the happy accident of that. It's if it's one effects house like okay, well that that blood looks the same as that blood because that's their stock blood that they use that's their formula here it's like okay that looks different than that 
The way that Sheila is sucked out looks cartoonish, but it's effective because it's a dream. Of course it can look yeah. cartoonish. You know, it was almost yeah. like that veneer on top of it that gave you this extra, um, you know, bit of verm vermilicitude, uh, SAT word, to, you know, because it, it's not necessarily the real world, you know? Right. Well, the, the thing is, uh, is um, uh, Rennie, uh, Rennie Harlan, he had seen, and I guess, I guess he had shown it, or other people had seen it too, uh, the Chinese a film called the Chinese Ghost Story, uh, right. and what happened was he and he really wanted to base because in that movie all the the nightmare and again it's a it's a Chinese movie so it's much different than this created all the nightmares based on dreams he had actually had throughout his life things that had terrified him throughout his life that was what they started doing for the scenes in the movie um, and the thing is and that's one of the reasons why because um, uh, obviously you know you have the different things that are occurring. Uh, but when when you had the scene where Rick is fighting the uh, the Invisible Freddy, that was a last minute addition because they just didn't have money to do it. Originally, he was supposed to die in the elevator, right? Because mm -hmm. who, who hasn't had a dream of falling? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that yeah. nightmare you wake up. You know what I'm saying? And what I think that's what uh, what Harlan was trying to do here. Again, he's early in his very early in his career, so he's kind of trying things out and throwing against the wall and see what sticks. And he cut it in a certain way. But he did things in the movie, the loop sequence, which yes. Robert Englund has said is his favorite sequence in the whole that movie. That is great. That is so, like, you've all we've all had a dream yeah. where you're oh, like yeah. fucking stuck in a loop, and you're like, God damn it, why can't it be the dream where I'm banging the blonde chick? No, it's got to be this <laughs> stupid dream. Well, you know? but, and, and what's great about that loop is the way that it's cut together because he does not, yeah. he, he it respects the action of Axis because Alice yeah. runs around and she says. He says, "Come on, we have to hurry. I'm driving." And it, then they show yeah. it, and then she run, She comes in from the from the the, the left hand, the stage right, basically yes. from our yeah. left hand side on yeah. there, and then she runs off towards yep. stage left, and then cut. She's running back on from stage right. Yep. So they they keep the action of access. So the first time you look at, it, you're like, wait a minute, we saw this. It's yeah. not entirely unlike a certain member of this panel proclaiming his love for the Freddy Snake. I love the Freddy Snake. <laughs> we know. That, that, I mean, so that, does everybody else now. Yeah. yeah. So, to not, if you'll pardon the pun, the first time that Jay and I watched that, that scene threw me for a loop. It throw, because, I think it throws everybody. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, wait, that just fucking happened. What? Yeah. <laughs> See, it's, it's I saw the movie Dreamscape. Scenes. And there's yeah, a scene in yeah, the movie yeah. Dreamscape where somebody walks into a room, talks to somebody, and slaps him in the face. And the print I saw of it had that scene in it twice. So someone walked in, slapped someone in the face, and then it, the whole scene started over. They walked in and slapped him in, and I'm like, oh, they're doing some weird loop thing. <laughs> and then upon subsequent viewings of the movie... It, they, no, they, they actually weren't. fixed it in the theater. So when I went back in yeah. the theater to see it again, I was like, oh, wait, okay, they cut that, you know, somebody noticed it. And then I was wondering, I wonder if that was meant to be there in the theater. It was like, oh, this is a mistake. We'll fix this and cut it out and, and messed up the movie. And then when it came out in video, I found out, no, it was it was a, a faulty print. <laughs> it was a happy accident. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was just a confusing accident. Yeah, but but in dream, well, okay, and in a dream, and Dreamscape deals a lot with in the dreams and stuff like that too. Yeah. Uh, anytime you have that dream stuff, you can get away with all that weird shit. Yeah. yeah. I, it's it's you know, it's I mean the when when she, when she's again like like Luke said, quicksand we thought was a bigger problem. 
you know, you've had a dream where you can't move your feet. You've had, you know, yeah. it happens it happens more often than not. I'm stuck in a dream. I'm like, God damn it, why can't I move my feet? Like I'm, because you know, because I'm laying in a bed, and my feet are caught in the covers, you know, kind of thing. Um, it's all those different things where Rennie uh, and Harlan really pushed that envelope out there of like, hey, let's let's kind of show the stuff that everyone has bad dreams about. You know, if you show someone their nightmares, it allows them to connect. I mean, you're trying really hard to get, you know, the, you're trying to get the kid dollar, even though this movie was rated R. You're still trying to get the, you know, the the kids, the you know, the teenage dollars. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, well, you got that, you got, well, you know, everybody had that one guy that knew somebody who worked at the theater or selling the R-rated tickets or the one theater that didn't give a shit, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, so that, yeah. I mean that, that was, uh, that everybody was the I knew in high right? school you just know? went so, and saw R-rated movies, you know, I never, yeah. there was never really any sort of enforcement of R-rated of movies. They were just happy you were paying the price, yeah. you know, and there, <laughs> I'm, I, I don't think there was anybody who checked up on that stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I, I well, I just saw Logan this weekend, and two people bought tickets for the shack, and then snuck into Logan, yeah. and the manager almost stopped the film. He's like, "The two people that bought tickets for the shack, if you don't come out, I'm stopping the movie." <laughs> <laughs> and I was, and I, and I literally yelled out, "Don't fuck this up for me." <laughs> King of Cartoons oh. is on his way over here. I will not have you ruin this for me. Wow. <laughs> I've well, never heard know, of that the, happening in a theater. That's amazing. Well, you know, nowadays, now it's hip to, to you know, to, to be cool to be cool about this. It's like, R-rated films are serious business, you know. <laughs> uh, back then, it was all just geek show. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was, I didn't, it didn't dawn on me until just now we were talking about it. You know, we're talking about loops. You remember about... Four years ago, we watched Kill Baby Kill when we were doing our Italian films. Yes. There's a loop in that, remember, where he's chasing after himself? Oh, you're and right. He, through the, and eventually, the doors. And he catches himself, which is just weird. Okay, <laughs> but that's that's neither here nor there. But, um, yeah, but the, the like I said, this definitely was playing to that, that teen market, that kid market. But that's what it, I, I think that's its strength. It understands that, and it treats the audience still with, with respect considering that. And again, this could have, the way that this is set up, it's like, okay, well, the last one was supposed to be the last one. So we've got to, we've got to, we've got to address that. And we do, we bring in a new heroine. We've got to, you know, introduce a new cast of characters to get killed off because that's expected. So we got to do that. But they, they take the, you know, but there's a lot of things that are planted here that build on what was done in Dream Warriors, but introduces new stuff. That becomes again some of the more the mythology of this series. So it really is. It's it's not, despite its its what reputation that a lot of folks will give it nowadays. That this is was held in in pretty high regard for nightmare fans for a long time because it really does. Uh -huh. It talks about it's it's one of those it's one of those uh, you know on a on a TV show now we'll have we'll have either monster of the week or mythology episodes. This one is kind of a more of a mythology episode when you get down to it. You know, this is not a Freddy shows up and the girl stops him and that's the end. There's a lot of stuff here that, that again, it, it builds on what, what is Freddy. You know, we always want to, the longer we go with these, the more the tendency is to try and explain some of these characters. And sometimes that works and sometimes not so much. With Freddy, the idea of him, because he's so personable and has such a, a strong personality and talks to us, so much especially at this point expanding on him and what his powers mean and what his origin is that's accepted and works you know jason Voorhees, 
eventually they figured out, well, you know, we really don't want to know. You know, Jason Voorhees works better without knowing this sort of stuff about him. And that's why when these two characters meet up, it, it works so well because they are the same and, and yet very different in their personality and how they uh, approach their uh, business, you know. Uh, and and so it's I, that's why I think this one holds up really well. It, it it it's a very creative film, especially for the fourth film in a series. You know, coming on the heels of such a monster success, when they really could have phoned this in, they yeah. could have given us. And again, not not to bury the lead, but they could have given us Dream Child level of oh, you know writing yeah. on this, and it still would have made the money. But instead, they gave us a film that's a bit more thoughtful, and I that's, appreciate it. You know. Yeah. Brian Hegland and uh, William Cotswinkle. I mean, yeah. So yeah. Well, the, the other thing William too is Cotswinkle is had something to do with writing this. Yep. Really. Yeah. Yep. The William Cotswinkle. He the wrote George Will. Yes. Yeah. The William Cotswinkle, and then Brian Hegland, who did. Uh, he's done more gritty kind of crime stuff the last uh, two decades. Cotswinkle's quite a writer. That's crazy. Yeah, this, this, yeah, they did the he story. Did both E.T. He did the E.T. Adapt, e. adaptation yep. and the sequel. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, Brian Helgeland. I mean, he he wrote L.A. Confidential and Mystic that's River. It, that's I mean, the one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Jesus I mean, Christ, but, but L.A. Confidential Reed, won the Academy Award. Oh, Reed Katzwinkel's <laughs> Doctor Rats, one of the most in, insanely disturbing books ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, again, it's 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 you know, you gotta you gotta spend money to make money. It's like you know, it's like, hey, why don't we go for it? We we made new line, new line, the house that Freddie built. Their coffers were filled with money after number three. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Why not? What's the worst they can say? No, our money's green. Let's give it a shot, and it and it works. Yeah, but, but, but those guys weren't major players yet. You no, know, but I, it, but, it's, was, but it's still yeah. you you still could have phoned this in to Joe Schmo, you know, busting tables at the diner down the street. You oh, know, I, th- I think Katzwinkel was you know? writing. I think Katzwinkel was writing novels, but I've got yeah, a couple of his novelist, books from yeah. the like early seventies and stuff. So he was an established writer by then. Yeah, but, but but the thing is, but he wasn't writing. I mean, the thing is, I mean, not a uh, screenwriter. You're talking about you're talking about, you're talking about uh, yeah, right. You're talking about Mystic River, and you're talking about uh, you know um, L.A. Confidential. Those are down the road. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. The thing is, sometimes I mean, look, Rennie Harlan. The next movie he made after this was Ford Fairlane, yeah. and then the Adventure of Ford Fairlane, and then guess what he made? Die Hard Two. Mm-hmm. And shockingly, he has made a lot of movies that have made a lot of money. You yeah. know, well, uh, even you know, if think, you don't well, like the, them. The, but, yeah, you know, the thing with, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, they, they, we made money. You know, Helgeland, his his connection was he wrote Nine Seven Six Evil. Yes, and that was how he got connected. Did, did he write? Nine, did he write Nine Seven Six Evil Two also? I don't know if he wrote Nine Seven Six Evil Two, because, but nine, I think because Robert England, I think he he Robert Eng, that? Well, he Robert no, it. Robert England directed Nine Seven Six Evil, and so it oh, was, right, he right, recommended right. Helgeland to New Line. He said, yeah, you know, yeah. hey, this guy did that, wrote this picture that I did. I think he'd be a good fit. And that's how he right, got right, in right. there. So, and like I said, I mean, he, he's written uh, some other, um, you know, genre and non-genre stuff. And, uh, you know, he did Blood Work with Clint Eastwood, which is, is a, to me, a grossly underrated film. I think Blood Work is yeah, a very yeah, yeah. good. Is that the, um, is that the one with the, he's trying to get the guy off death row? No, Blood Work is the, uh, is, is, um, well, it's based on the novel. It's where he's the retired FBI agency, FBI agent, and it's um, you know he he gets a uh, he gets the heart of a murder victim. Okay. Have you ever seen that one? It's it's worth seeing. It's it's good though. I mean, it, it's not it's not it's not like you know uh, it's not fun Saturday view Saturday afternoon viewing like Magnum Force, but it, it's it's a good movie. It's worth watching. 
but um, but any but anyway, yeah. So you've got guys that are that are uh, you know ha- have some talent. Now, of course, um, Hegland also infamous for the fact that he is the only um, the only uh, screenwriter that in history to win the Academy Award and the Razzie in the same year. Oh wow! <laughs> Actually, Alan, <laughs> I take that back. He was the he was the second person. Alan Menken did it in 1993, and then Sandra Bullock did it in 2010. But he was the only one to do it for writing that I'm aware of, because he wrote wow. wrote L.A. Confidential and also wrote The Postman. So The Postman's not a bad flick. I don't know if it's no, but it, but it, worthy. Well, yeah, but the, the, you know the thing with the Razzies is that it's like, oh well, people didn't like it. It's it's popular for me to put this out and get my head get my headline. Here we go. Right, right. But, uh, well, but and I'll say and I'll say this about the Razzies: <laughs> they've never they've never announced the wrong winner. Just saying. Okay, but the thing with I mean, Hengland, <laughs> I mean Brian Hengland, all uh, Hengland, he also wrote Man on Fire, which is one of them. I love that movie. Yeah. That's, oh, a, that's the a Tony crazy Scott movie. movie. Yeah, that movie's awesome. That was on the other yeah. day. That's such a great movie. It's a De- yeah. Denzel so, Washington, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, Denzel Washington. I mean, he also did Forty Two. Yeah, uh, he did. He did, did, Mis- he did um, Mystic River. He did the new version yeah. of uh, the uh, Russell Crowe Robin Hood. I mean, he's done a he's yeah. done a lot of good stuff, and he's one. Like I said, L.A. Confidential and Mystic River are obviously the two big ones. I mean, you know, I mean, he Mi- did Assassins. Yeah, <laughs> the Dennis. Nine seventy seven, nine seven seven six, Evil Two. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you, you know, know, conspiracy theory again. That's a uh, really good underrated I, flick. I, I, too. I okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Fun movie. Yeah, what I but like he did is... 976 Evil, and then his that's that was his first writing gig as a writer for a movie, and then Nightmare on Elm Street 4 was his second gig, and they're yeah. both 88, you know. This, I was so. I was I was blabbing about this on Facebook earlier after seeing the Logan movie. Is that I to, and that and the Logan movie just sort of like shut the book on it, where, you know, Oscar-winning movies and like serious dramas and Oscar bait movies. They're nice, but I hate how they're, like, kept in this snobby category separate from genre movies. When I think genre movies are far a far superior delivery system for any message or comment on the times or even just creeping, you know, stuff that comes in that the filmmakers were too even incompetent to know that they were putting in there, you know, you, like... This Freddy movie, like, really, you you can pull a lot about the 80s. I'm sure when this movie came out, it got criticized a lot for being, like, MTV-like, you know, because that was the the definition in snobby land of vacuousness at that time before they knew what depths of vacuousness MTV could truly go to. (laughs) You know, this was like a honeymoon, you know. But, yeah. you know, they were probably like, oh, it's like watching a big MTV video, you know. But guess and what? That, yeah. that was, yeah. that was what, 30 years ago? thirty More than 30 years ago. And and there's so much, you know, notwithstanding that it's just got a sort of retro feel and value to it with the hairstyles and the music and stuff like that. It's saying a lot about the 80s. It didn't mm-hmm. even, you know, it was trying to say some stuff about MTV too, which it did say. But, you know, I mean, just, you know, just the idea of the Freddie putting on the Ray-Bans, you know, you could do a nice right. little sociological dissertation on how that is symbolic of of the 80s and, mm-hmm. you know, the what the people in the movie are interested in, you know, like the the girl that's that's 
obsessed with working out <laughs> you know oh, yeah. she's obsessed with working out and dynasty it's mm-hmm. like yeah okay that's the 80s, that's, that's the 80s. sounds about just, right yeah yeah oh i i think it's also clear to say that at this point there's no doubt that um springwood is in fucking california <laughs> yeah yeah nah yeah that that's the sunniest illinois ever you know <laughs> yeah uh, you know what's uh, funny? You talk about Springwood and Jay. I don't. I don't know if the, you made this mental connection, but when who is it? It's uh, Rick is in the uh, and Dan are in the locker room, uh-huh. and 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 Dan stands up for Rick because you know he's a good guy and all that. You know, but um, they're wearing the Springwood. I love the Springwood High School athletics department gear yes. that they're wearing. Yeah. Now it's green with white. Did you, I immediately jump to Brewster High School right there? Yeah, I'm like, is well, it a green bear? Or... Is it a bear? No, damn. Okay. Well, because green and white could have been Brewster, could have been Yorktown, yeah, could have been, uh, shit. Was it Valley Central, or uh, what was the other one? Who was their big rival? Valley Central and Spring Valley. Um, Spring Valley. Spring Valley. Yeah. Yeah. Two one of them. sounding. Two fakest sounding. Yes. Two real town. places. Spring Valley and Valley Central. They're like, ooh, that's going to be a good one. I'm like, that sounds like a fucking fake thing. And they're like, it sounds like no, a dude, sausage they're real. You get in a basket. Yeah. No, Here at Spring it's... Valley Sausages, we pride ourselves on our delicious meat. Exactly. Yeah, this, this, I say, this portion of the podcast sponsored by Westchester and Putnam County, New York. Uh, but <laughs> if you, and, for all you, you know, those of you guys from you know from Westchester to Putnam County, you're like, yeah, you're not in the Shout longer. out. Shout it out for Westchester Putnam, so, man. It's only it's uh, up it's the upstate if you live in the city, but not anyplace else in the state. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good enough for Pro- Professor X's mansion. Yeah, damn right. Okay. Yeah, it, uh, you know, hey, my, my good buddy Bob said, you know, hey, Luke, I saw that X-Men movie. I said, yeah, what do you think? He goes, I loved it. It had the most accurate line ever. There's a guy in a strange, huge house surrounded by freaks, weirdos, and nutjobs. And he says, where am I? And Patrick Stewart says, Westchester, New York. He's like, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> The truth is in the advertising. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the, I mean, the thing is with the Ray-Bans, I mean, again, I know we, but I mean, he puts them on, but let's be honest, that's Top Gun. You yeah. know, he's putting the, the, the clung glasses yeah. on. I mean, I know it's, but that's what Rennie Harlan was trying to go for. He wanted yeah. to make it so like, oh, yeah, like he wanted to cash in on everything. Everybody Johnny was Depp putting their Ray-Bans is on, on is on in the, the 80s. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, he wasn't, it wasn't Ray-Bans. He was putting on the aviators, but still, but you know what I'm saying? But it was that, it was that kind of like, Top, top Tom Cruise, too cool, you know, Iceman, whatever. And then who's on the cover is Johnny Depp of the magazine, right? Yeah. It's all the little nods. Every single thing in the movie is a nod or a reference. I mean, Rennie Harlan is one of the kids in the classroom, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Right? Bob Shea is the teacher after his. So after he went from sister. running a gay bar to being a teacher. Yep. Well, you know, he has to do something during the day. But yeah. his sister, uh, Lynn Shea, I mean, she's been in a lot of movies, too. She was a teacher in the first one. Yeah. I mean, every single thing in the movies are little, you know, tie-ins or, you know, things that reference other things because that's what he was into. He he didn't – he wasn't – he's not American. He's from, you know, wherever the hell he's from. Um, and, and he didn't speak English a whole lot. So he, he learned a lot of that stuff by watching movies and watching TV and, you know, I mean – it's not like it's not like he was. It's not like you know he left this movie and went and made you know started doing Shakespeare. He, I mean, I'm getting Adventures of Ford Fairlane, notwithstanding, uh, you know, Close the enough. Die Hard, yeah. I mean, but Die Hard Two, yeah, you know, same ballpark. Die Hard Two 
you know, I mean, you're coming off of a, a, a crazy movie. Die Hard was supposed to be a throwaway movie. Bruce Willis, no big deal. It made insane money, made Bruce Willis a name star for movies. And it, you know, launched that franchise. And, and Die Hard 2 made insane money. Yep. Well, that's what Rennie Harlan did. He made a little movie with Viggo Mortensen called Prison, which has really good special effects. And it's, it's most people haven't seen it, right? I mean, I own it on Blu-ray, and I've watched it, and, and Kelly's like, I've never heard of this movie. I'm like, it's good, you know? But he kind of went on and did his thing, and he was pushing the envelope with there. And I think also, too, excuse me, when you when you think about, like, there are no... Who are the other actors in this? You know, sometimes you get, a, like, like Johnny Depp obviously became a big star after uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, the first one. There's no big names in this movie, yeah. And no, no one became a huge. I mean, uh, Tuesday night never became anything beyond this. Uh, you know, um, you know, uh, what do you call? I mean, it's all Eglund. Was it Lisa Wilcox? What? It's all Robert Eglund. He's the big yeah. star oh, by now. Yeah, but, but right. But well, I'm saying yeah, it's right. I mean, the, from... the only. I mean, you know, um, uh, Brooke Bundy, who is um, is uh, Kristen's mom. You yeah. know, she 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 is a soap star. So a lot of people know her yeah. from her long stints on. Uh, Days of Our Lives and General Hospital, but again, not a not a uh, Hollywood uh, type, right. you know. Yeah. And um, you know, uh, Toy Newkirk, who plays Sheila, she yeah. you she's one of those. And I was like, I know her from something because she was one of these people that was on every TV show. Yep. You know, she yep. was on Different Strokes and A Different World, and you know, Two Two Seven and all these shows. So she was one that she was on a lot of this different stuff. So you'd probably recognize her, but couldn't place her, kind of thing. So yeah. Right. It's not, well, Brooke, you know, they don't. But Brooks thesis yeah. is right from, is right from, you know, uh, um, oh, just ten of us, right? Yeah. Is that no yeah. one? Well, was that with the Lubbock Babes, you know, kind of thing? Yeah, just the ten I of mean, us. Just, just right. like, you know, uh, what's her name earlier? Just yeah. like Nancy, oh, you know. And then Landy Camp, and the one, she, and 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 then there's the uh, other one who's in two, and there's one in f- five. Like, I mean, it was all the the Lubbock Babes eventually showed up on the on, you know, in the series. And the whole point is, is like they were TV. You know, again, you can be a TV actor and be an actor. And I'm not saying you can't do that. What I'm saying is, is that he knew he didn't need to go spend a ton of money on, you know, getting whatever, you know, getting whoever to be in the movie. I mean, as it is, Johnny Depp, who does appear in, uh, is it five six. or six? Six. six. Yeah. He's in there for like a split second. He did yeah. it for free as a, as a thank you. You know, I mean, it's and I mean again. There are people who eventually became stars out of other movies, but these these they were just making movies. Yeah. And, and I think it like and it, it, it's like it was like you didn't not everyone. I mean, again, I bet all of them were thinking like, wow, this might be my chance to make you know make have a break. But I mean, I tell you right now, when you watch uh, Text Chainsaw Massacre Generations, you're not telling me you're watching it going, wow, Renee Zellweger is going to be a star. You're like, God, can someone fucking shut that fucking cunt's mouth? Because she doesn't shut up the whole goddamn movie. She whines like a bitch. And Matthew McConaughey is like, oh, my leg, I can't work it. Oh, my God. I mean, who who would have figured that fucking dick would have been naked playing bongos in his house? Or but winning an Oscar. Still, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, well, that's how we got Costanza. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Well, the, but the burning Edge, was standing. That's actually a good movie. Yeah. At least the burning is a good movie. I'm just saying. So, but as it is, I mean, these people never paint stars. So they're doing, I mean, they're out there doing what they're, you know, doing. And you, know, you, you, I, you, you take, you know, the, the agent calls, you know, yeah, yeah, Murray, what do you got? You know, a TV commercial. How much? 
Okay. You know, <laughs> shout right. out to Miss Piggy. But yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. No, nobody's making this movie because it's going to be necessarily they think it's going to be my big break. They're making a movie because you know what? People are going to see me in this movie. This movie's sure. popular. You know, it's like maybe this can lead to something else. Maybe this will lead me to getting a TV show. It's like, yeah, well, what'd you do? Oh, I did. I did the latest Nightmare on Elm Street. It's like real. Yeah, well, it led you know, it's, it's like the somewhere. So, yeah, well, you know, it, it's the story of. I, I don't remember his name, but the guy who plays Owen Lars in Attack of the Clones, he said Joel for Edgerton. years, yeah, thank you, that he for years got into interviews and auditions. Said, well, I was I was in uh, I was in Star Wars. And he said, oh shit, you were in Star Wars. Come on in, yeah, come and read for us. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a slightly different thing saying Star Wars versus Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's like, oh yeah, you were you were in a movie that people have seen that people have seen you. Maybe come on in. Yeah. It's it's a name. I said, oh, I did this art house film. It's like, yeah, don't call us, we'll call you, you know? So, yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we talk about this a lot on this show, that just because something is art does not mean it can be com it is not commercial, and just because something is commercial does not mean it cannot be art. So, the, the, the and horror films especially, because horror films can so easily devolve into just mindlessness. And that to the point that when we get a franchise that, for the most part, consistently gives us something that's either entertaining or well written and, and put together, or perhaps both, that we it stands out because there's a, there's a reason why they keep making them. It's because they're well made. You know, uh, I was watching uh, this weekend. I watched, um, you know, I, I watched Killjoy two, which I had never seen all of before. And Killjoy is one of the later. Uh, Full Moon franchise. It started out as a black exploitation franchise, and now has become more of a black comedy. Uh, I mean, black comedy with a small b um, uh, type of, of of franchise. And and you know, you're watching it. It's like, wow, there's a reason why this never took off in this format it's because it's the most basic type of movie. And I'm not one of these kids that uses basic as a pejorative. I'm using basic as a dick textbook dictionary definition it is a basic movie it delivers exactly what needs to be in order to be considered a feature film but there's nothing creative there's no innovation there's nothing trying to do something or even a, a bare bones respect for the audience in that film which is why the series went on hiatus for like eight or nine years and when it came back was a hundred percent different other than the main character still being played by Trent Haga was completely different and now it's become successful and they've made two more sequels in that style mm -hmm. that have been successful so it, it you know you, and the Nightmare films found it out early that because of having Craven doing the first one you had the you had this great setup this great hook a story hook and a story engine that now guys could come in and do different takes on it. You could do the superhero version of that like we got in 3. You could do the MTV version of that like we have here. You can do these different stories because the base story is good and it's creative and it's solid and it's something that is a hook for the audience and it's a story hook and it lets you turn the crank on that story. You know, not every story has that. You know, we, again, we saw this with the Friday films because the the the, the it, it's a different type of motivation because the psychological aspects of that series got dropped rather quickly as we saw, but they became the the, the horror party film. It's like yes, we're going to go see Friday, we're going to see Friday Thirteenth, and Jason's going to tear some people apart. You know, it's like oh man, we're going to go see we're going to see the new Nightmare. Freddy Krueger's friggin' hilarious. You know, so they had their hook, and they, and and make you know. I, I, for one, am all for films making money. If your money, if your movie is good and it makes money, that's not a bad thing. No, you know, I you, you want it. Like some, 
partially why you down. made it, or right. completely why you made it. It's, it's, it's it, it was at least people worked on it. <laughs> but it's like you know this idea that oh well if, if it's if it if it made money it's commercial only and it can't have any merit beyond that. Bullshit! Bullshit! Because just be, you know everybody sets out to make if it's, you're not making trying to make money it, with the movie you're you're doing something wrong. Well, I mean, if it makes a lot of money, and and I don't like, you know, I don't like to say, hey, you know, that person's talented because they make a lot of money, but but they're good at making money. That they're good at making money, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that, for some reason, and it may not be a reason that you know that tweaks mine or somebody else's particular taste. It appeals. Somebody's getting something from it because somebody's going into those theaters you know yeah whether the crit whatever the critics say you know so the you know something e even at the basis just entertainment level i mean there's nothing wrong with that that's sort of why movies story story i mean stories are created to teach lessons but they're also created to to tell an exciting story or to you know to evoke an emotion or to be like a ride at at Disney World, you know, mm -hmm. it's yeah, it, but uh, it's a story still, and uh, I mean, five movies in, and people are going to to Nightmare on Elm Street more than ever. Something's happening there that mm -hmm. that people enjoy that's working, you know, on some now, level. And I think once... doesn't that that pretty much gets addressed in six, doesn't it? <laughs> or is... yeah, yep. Oh yeah. One, well, in, in seven, yeah, in the New seven. Nightmare, yeah. yeah now, sorry, uh, one one thing I I do want to mention. We've talked about this previously. The Nightmare on Elm Street films have always had awesome posters, and yes. the poster for the Dream Master has always been my favorite. This was one that hung in the video store in where we grew up for a long time, and I always wanted this one. And it, it's just a great one with Freddy's face in the background already being ripped at by spectral hands. And Alice's mm -hmm. eyes looking at us, and then the claws coming up through the ground. This is a great, great poster with the tagline, Terror Beyond Your Wildest Dreams, which is obviously appropriate. You know, this is back when horror movies had to have awesome posters, you know, because they'd oh, end up the, in... Yeah, you gotta they, sell it. They'd it sell was, it. They'd be in the lobbies or go to the next Photoshop room. Photoshop like, existed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like you'd, you'd be walking in, it's like, oh shit, they're making a fourth nightmare, man. We are going yeah. to go see that dude you know <laughs> all right let's go see barton fink you know that kind of thing so <laughs> <laughs> not to rank on barton fink but <laughs> well the um, movie man <laughs> yeah so, the that, uh the, classic the, yeah so um one of the things again and, and luke kind of touched on it there too with the on the poster um the there's the 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 giant freddy body mm. that they built for the end okay so there's the naked people inside, right, pushing yeah. inside of it, and the woman, of course, the naked woman we see is Leno Quigley. Yeah, uh, you know, of you know um, Well, I gotta be honest with you, is they didn't tell them what was happening, so they're on the set filming, and they said, well, one day we showed up, and there's all these naked people walking around, and they point, and then they, they freeze it, and it's Leno Quigley, and they go, well, I wasn't complaining, but there's all these just men and women are just naked, and they're just walking around. And the thing is, when you see how she's painted, um, because they had to like accentuate the areolas and everything else like that. Like it's really kind of a crazy paint job on her, but it looks really good on film because it's behind the thing. Yeah, so that's yeah, Steve Johnson. The areola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's true. <laughs> so Steve Johnson and his his crew built the giant Freddy body, right? 
So they're all pushing through and pushing through. And what happens is, I guess it must not have been tied properly or because you know, at one point it falls. And uh, the, the, the little Japanese lady who was on his crew, who's on top, fell and she and, and she got hurt. Uh, the whole thing fell down. But it's just crazy when they show this. They show it in the documentary, Never Sleep Again. The whole thing falling. You're like, oh, my God. And, like, I guess she was okay, but she kind of got banged up. But it's they're in, they're, it's all these people inside a huge body. But you don't think about that because they cut between the huge body and Robert England. And then the other scene, Steve Johnson did the other part, too, is – uh, Robert England's face is forward and, th- and there's a wall and he's like his head just through and his hands right and the rest of the body are all these animatronic arms and they all shoot right. out and grab things and whatever yeah. but that's really Robert England controlling his own hands and the thing it just looks effective now you may think like oh it's probably really cheesy you know what would make that really cheesy if they did it all with CGI nowadays yeah. it would look right. atrocious yeah. it his- looks real Freddy's like, Freddy's demise and the makeup drop, the full body makeup drop, and then the mm-hmm. the macro body that they build is yeah. really oh, yeah. fucking impressive. And, yeah, well, and, well, that, yeah. that's also and, one of the things too. They they were trying to figure out how do you end. They had no ending. They had no ending, and they're like, well, how do we do this? And they said, so they start talking about all the great mo- horror movies and how do the villains get killed? It's something from the outside acting on them. And they said no. And Rennie Harlan said he goes, no, we need to go from the inside out. They go, what do you mean? He goes, something has to tear its way out of him. Because they had they didn't remember that ever seeing that before, where something was inside of the person of the villain and tearing its way out. And I think it's really effective. Yeah. Yeah. Aliens not the yeah. Right, right. But 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 there's there's something that was what was what attacked him from within. No, well that's the That's the very He melts. No, no. He's talking about like the souls coming out of him and we, we, that's what they're talking about. Is in, in horror movies, the the it's always something. It's it, when you have the monster, you shoot the monster with a missile, you shoot it with a gun, you blow it up, you do they fed it on fire. He's talking about like the classic idea of how do you kill a monster? You know, you set it on fire, you do whatever to it. And he's trying to come up with something different, which I think he does. The thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, is that his demise in three and four are probably the best two ways he's killed in the entire series as it makes sense into kind of the mythos that they'd built up to that point, right? We'll later see, especially in 6, what a bad idea that 6 had to get rid of them, and they were like, oh, shit, we probably should have stole the idea from 3 and 4. But I always liked this idea. I always liked the idea. I mean, Alice becomes a badass. Alice, you know... uh, Even though when she's using the nunchucks, it's clearly a guy at the worst wing in the world on. I, it's almost it as be. bad as Lori Lachlan yes. in Rad. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Because um, <laughs> Lori Lachlan is like, I'm on a bike, and it's like, and then it cuts to a guy with with a mustache who's clearly has the wrong hair doing all these tricks, and it cuts back to Lori Lachlan. I'm on a bike. I'm on a you bike. Know, thank you. Yeah, but it's Becky. Lori Lachlan, so I can't complain. Can't complain. Well, it's not, hey, but it's not, hey she, she didn't hire the stunt double. It's not her fault. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying it, it's, it's, it's like at the end of Friday, Friday Part 1. Uh, when they cut Mrs. Voorhees' head off and the hands come up and they have hair all over the knuckles because it's Tom Savini's uh, um, <laughs> who works with them. Uh, and it's a, it's a big Greek man. And yeah. His hands are ginormous and grabbing at it, you know? Well, um, you know, but uh, the thing, and the thing with, with, um, with Alice becoming a badass and leading up to that, you know, her she's got the mirror covered with the pictures and it, it's not subtle. Rick says it. He goes, well, what's the point? You can't see yourself. She goes, yeah, she agrees with him. 
And as her, you know, as Freddy picks off her friends and her brother one by one, Rick's great line of, yeah, we're kind of dropping like flies here, which is, which is pretty funny. Um, you know, because it's like, well, nobody seems to really care. That, I love this. Nowadays, if one kid died in class, they'd shut oh the my school God. down for a week yeah. and have oh. the grief therapy dogs would be everywhere. Now it's like, yeah, it's like, we got a test in third period. Get your ass to class. You know, that kind of thing. But yeah, it was the, well, it it was was the just, 80s. That's because we were hot in the 80s. We it was weren't the 80s, pushes. man. It was the 80s. But anyway, so, you know, so, so as her friends are killed, she takes the pictures off. And again, it's not subtle. It's, 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 it's pretty straightforward. But for the MTV nightmare, it's well done. And now she becomes the badass. And the thing is that she, you know, she takes the personality traits and the powers, a.k.a. you know, air quotes up to the mic, powers of her friends. And she becomes this you know, little one woman ass kicking machine. And it's, you know, it's, it's again, it, for, you know, way back when we covered the first one, you know, they asked Heather Langenkamp, do you think this is a female empowerment movie? She said, no, I think it's a teen empowerment movie. You know, for how many, you know, I mean, again, I don't know the, the, the demographics. I wasn't in high school in 1988, but, I'm, you know, but there were lots of girls when I was in high school in the 90s that had the mirror covered with pictures of their friends and weren't confident about themselves and didn't think about themselves and only thought about themselves in relation and context to others. There were lots of dudes that were that way, too, but we were better at hiding it. You know, yeah. because our, you know, our, our culture here in the States kills any emotion that a guy feels on, except for rage. Which is why when you meet a girl in your 20s, you're turned into a blubbering idiot. But again, that's that's for another podcast. No, Luke, uh, you're wrong. You shut <laughs> up, man. I'm not crying. You're crying. I don't have feelings. <laughs> shut yeah. up. It's really up. freaking dusty in here, man. You're gay. <laughs> we got an email about that coming up. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, so but then again, it's it's. I don't know how many high school girls in that were in that uh, situation that we're going to see a Nightmare on Elm Street 4, but considering the amount of marketing that was going on, I'm sure a lot of them went with a bunch of friends. Uh-huh. I'm sure a lot of them went and said, hey, I, you know, I, I can understand that because I, I am that girl or I know that girl or, you know, that that that's that quiet chick who sits behind me who I'm always is a little afraid of, you know? So... I said it's not it's not subtle, but it's it's effective. And to me, effective is all I'm looking for. You know, I don't need subtlety if your movie tells a story that makes sense and is entertaining, yeah. which is which is what we get here. So, so uh, quick thing, Rick and Alice were supposed to be twins originally in the script, and they kind of they kind of like went back. It was weird because that that's why like they had wanted them to be twins, so they kind of had that like they could like do that twin thing that twin twins magic. do. Yeah, it is. It's weird. Um, I have twins now in separate classes who do some like you guys are gotta be joking. You talk to her, they go, I haven't seen my sister all day. I'm like, you fucking weird, you know, kind of thing, because that's what twins got. Um, but they wanted them to be twins originally, and I think some of that would have, uh, you know, it kind of helps with the idea of like, um, you know, things that were eventually cut out so it didn't make sense. The entire scene where they're after uh, uh, Kristen dies, that whole scene, the two of them wrote that scene basically on the spot they had no script for it so they said all right so he started shooting and they're like make it up and they just made it up that's why it sounds kind of weird they did because it's like yeah man you know so um one of the things we mentioned the the suck face death the you know the face suck death there yeah um besides being uh, toy newkirk's first on-screen kiss uh, (laughs) robert england's teeth fell out into her mouth oh Oh. because he opened it. Ah, he fell out. So she's now got all his saliva and his teeth in her mouth. So she's gagging on his teeth as they're doing the kiss. 
And when she tells it, it's hysterical. You know, actually, it was really funny. Rennie Harlan wanted her to redub all her lines because she, quote unquote, did not sound black enough. So she said, I should kick your ass kind of thing. Which is funny because was well, because Kincaid by by Rennie Harlan's technique sounds black enough apparently because that's the way yes. Kincaid talks. Oh, well. You ain't putting me to sleep. You ain't gonna put me remember, to sleep. I ain't going to sleep. Remember when he came? in, We talked about this on Nightmare Three when he came in for the interview. They go. He went in the room. And goes, motherfuckers, give me the fucking roll. I fucking yeah. hate you throwing <laughs> shit around. They're like, that guy's nuts. We better hire him. You know, kind of thing. Good old Chuck Russell. And uh, oh, Kincaid and, and his dog what? named Jason, of course. Jason. Yes. Well, Rennie, okay. That dog, so Rennie, that dog has a little like, bit of a hockey mask pattern on his face, too, I noticed. He does. Yeah. yeah well, I, love okay. it. My, I love it. My dog is like me. He don't like people fucking with him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, Rennie Harlan, right, was, um, he, he bumped into James Cameron. I don't know where they were. They were out somewhere. He bumped into him. So, Cameron heard he was making the new Nightmare. He goes, well, how are you going to bring Freddy back to life this time? And Harlan, which people believe was a joke at the time said i'm gonna have a dog piss fire on him he comes back to life right <laughs> and it got around that that's what they were gonna do and it got time to do in the movie and it was just i didn't have a very good story like let's just do that like <laughs> seriously i it was originally a joke that he made to because to, he's trying to be cool and they're like all right and i'm sure james cameron was like great and just kind of kept walking you know kind of thing because he wasn't quite you know james cameron yet he, he was, was still like i'll make premiere too stuff he was know? director of piranha too james right cameron. he was the guy <laughs> coming out of carmen yeah. yeah yeah well he by 88 he already had made uh terminator and he already made i mean he'd made stuff you know kind of thing well uh, you know he made, he made aliens at that point too. Yeah. He made a bunch. He made movies that were successful. So it wasn't just Piranha too. Yeah. People but know me. Just, I'm kind of a big deal. So. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> but it's funny to think that that's what he, you know, he said it to him in a joke, and that's what they come back pissing on him. Um, well, you know, it's just thing, like here on the podcast. Once you say it, now you've got to do it. You know? Yeah, well, it's true. <laughs> I will piss fire on anything for anybody. <laughs> but, but you're you're a good man. You're a nice life. Yeah. Hit the 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 actual of, of the skeleton coming back together and the flesh coming back on the bones, that's whether the dog pissed fire or not to get there. Um, that's really cool. Like it's yeah, really like yeah. it's well done. It looks good. You know, again, you have all these guys working on this film. You have you have guys, uh, you know, I mean, Screaming Mad George. Uh, he did. I want to say it was Society. I think that's the movie he did, where they're all melting together, and it's yeah. that weird movie. You're like, what are we watching? Yeah. I have a feeling. That you, John, and I watched it, and Kelly slept through it yeah, uh, way back in the that's day. Because right, yeah. that's every movie. Yeah, right. I mean, that's Phantasm, remember? She, 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 she stayed awake in Phantasm for the first kill, fell asleep, woke up for the next time someone got a thing in the head. She goes, they're still doing this? Went back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> she slept through almost all of Deep Red. She, she, slept, slept, through, through, she slept through Phenomena. She slept through Phenomena. Zombie. Phenomena. Like, Phenomena, it's like, hey, this has got your girl Jennifer Connelly in it. Oh, I'll watch it. <laughs> Yeah, Kelly. Kelly was. She still does it to this day. But yeah. she stayed awake for all of Logan because she went to the bathroom five times during the movie. But uh, she did because my wife's got a bladder the size of a pea. But um, so what I'm saying, yeah, appropriate. I think. But she she fell asleep during it. But it's like um, just I now now I'm lost. Now I'm yeah. gone. 
where we're going? going with this? I don't know. Uh, no, we were talking about uh, that. You know, the, having the, the the skeleton, the pull yourself back together. Yeah, yeah. Scene, you literally really went well from talking about a dog pissing fire to your wife having a bladder the size of a pea. So, <laughs> so it's full circle. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah. it, it's one of those. You know, like I said, it's a pull yourself together scene, and it is it is a really well done version of it. Yeah. You know. And and I always love the evil junkyard. I mentioned this the last time. Uh, I'm a big fan of the the orders of magnitude shot of Freddy's back, Freddy's back, Freddy's back. Which again was another thing I remember from even before I saw the movie. I remember, oh, there's a black guy screaming, Freddy's back, you know, in a a, a junkyard the size of a planet, apparently. So, uh, and then Kincaid, you know, one of the one of the right because he's in like if he's in the coffee, yeah. He's yelling and like, and it cuts to the coffee and he's like there and it's like, it's just all that imagery. I mean, think about, I mean, we talked about the pizza. We kind of joked about the pizza in the beginning. Yeah. The pizza was cast off a real pizza. They got a pizza. They cast off a real pizza. Well, that, um, and that they, led me to, that led me to this line of thought. How many, we're talking about movie aimed at teenagers primarily, right? How many teenagers went out, got a pizza, ate their pizza pie, and then went and saw this movie? Or when got a pizza afterwards. Or when got a pizza afterwards. Said, you know what, dude? Why don't we get subs? You know, man. You know, <laughs> we get some tacos, man. You know, but <laughs> I don't know if I want pizza now. <laughs> or they well, did and got meatball pizza. Just as like, check yeah. it out, yeah. Rick, you're such a meatball. Ah, la, la. You know, that was the dudes that went without any chicks. Probably the one. Yeah, that, right. <laughs> Stole all the knives off the table yeah. to put between their put between their fingers. I'm like, pretty. They got like. Yeah. A, it was like that's a, that's a good one, Marty. Yeah, <laughs> you like just like him kill with your face, you know? Just shut up. <laughs> but one of the things I was always wondering, right? Because, uh, you know, uh, Kristen could do it, and then obviously Alice could do it. They could pull anyone into their dreams, and now you're in the dream with them, yeah. right? I'd be and calling person, on Rambo. Yeah. Well, there's that one. <laughs> now that they now that they've killed Freddy off, and he's not there, she still can pull people into her dreams, and now they can. So, obviously, it's a, it's a young woman who has, you know, whatever. She's now with Steve, uh, you know, kind of thing. Um, or Dan. It's not Dan. Steve. It's Dan. He had no name originally, so they just used his real name. And they're like, I think that's so stupid. I can't remember my name. Um, it's like Tony Danza. Angel. You know. Hold me, hold me closer, Tony Danza. <laughs> um, so... So I was always thinking, like, if you could pull people in your dreams, does that work, like, all the time? Like, is that like, hey, you know, that, that hot chick in, like, third period, can I pull her in and f- have sex with her in here? It's and like, just like it's, having sex. Except like, they don't okay. come in, like, in in a dream. They come in going, like, hey, what the hell's going on, you know? They, yeah. they seem to come in, like, semi-lucidly, you know? So then it would <laughs> be, she would be just like, what the hell's your problem? Well, you know, the thing is, though, the only people we see her doing that to, because Alice is pulled in, she's confused, because she doesn't know what the hell's going on. She's when people. <laughs> yeah, well, when, when Kristen pulls in, you know, Joey and Kincaid, they've done this. They're old hands at this. They know that's what she's doing. Right. Yeah. Know? So it could be part of that. I think, you know, now you're getting into kind of an ethical gray area with that, of the people you're you're pulling in. It's like, uh, all right, me and Johnny Unitas winning the Super Bowl, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah. kid, come on, it's the fifth time this week, you know? I don't. I mean, whatever the hell he sounds like, you know, but that's... You know, so, yeah, I, again, with, with this I power. I that. You know, if you pull yeah. people in, like, if they're like, oh, it's a dream. Oh, I don't, I'm not going to have sex in a dream. And you're like, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm nailing it's the like, hot chicken. He's like, like, why, why am I dreaming about that, that weird kid from third period? 
<laughs> Why do you keep putting it in my ass? God damn. Oh, okay, yes. All right. There we go. Thank you. And good night. Uh, <laughs> no, well, you know. But, uh, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it raises a valid point, you know, with the, you know, what again, but one that the series is not interested in asking because it's the heroes that use that power. So, obviously, they'll use it for good and not to, you know, uh, potentially assault uh, people in their high school. And, uh, you know... <laughs> So, but it, Alice is a good girl anyway. We we see, you know, she is and she isn't. We see in the next one that she she's monogamous, but didn't use, you know, didn't think ahead, didn't pay attention to health class. There's I guess when you're, I, well, I won't ruin it, but there's a very funny story at that opening. Well, I'm just saying, I, I guess when you're, when, when health class is interrupted by your classmates being murdered right next to you, you may not pay attention to what's on the test. I'm just saying, uh, you know, because, you know, God forbid we cancel a class when we've killed off half the graduating class. It's like in sleepaway camp. Okay, there's been like it's six all like kids. sleepaway camp. It's all like sleepaway camp. Oh my god, she's a boy. You know, it's it, there's all these kids getting killed. No one calls their parents. No nope. one calls the police. They just nope. let's go play capture the flag. We've only got enough people left for two teams for capture the flag. That's what we're gonna do. We better get one so, in right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise we're like not that. gonna do it, and we're not, and we're gonna have to worry about the alien in the in the uh, in the one cabin and the boxing match to see who controls the lake. Because all camps have that. Anyone who's seen Meatballs Two will tell you that. Shout out to the Goldbergs for featuring Meatballs Two. <laughs> so JTP. Kid. JTP. So JTP. JTP. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we're 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 far afield here. So I think I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna put a pin in that, and I'm gonna pivot, and I'm gonna shift the paradigm because we have an email Ooh. that I would like to read. In fact, we have two emails, and they're both relating to a Nightmare on Elm Street. And our first one is from Aaron Moss, and uh, is simply titled "The Vault of Starting Monster Horror Tales of Terror 60: Freddy's Revenge." Oh. And Aaron writes. Due to issues with my phone and heavy workload, I'm a little behind. We'll get that fixed. Listening to podcasts is the single most important responsibility you have as a parent. Yes. Quit your job. Quit. <laughs> yeah. Quit. Quit your anyway, job. But Aaron continues, but I had to write in about this episode, which I'm still listening to it. I saw this, referring to Freddy's Revenge, at the theater with a bunch of friends, mostly guys and a couple of gals, when it came out. I was about 15. Confusing. Dude. Due to maybe my <laughs> confusing, yeah. due to maybe due to maybe my naivete at the time, maybe my age, and possibly to the two girls, not with us, sitting in front of us screaming every five seconds, I too missed the gay subtext or just the gay text in this movie. <laughs> but, and, and yeah, nowadays I mean, total, gay text yeah. has a whole different meaning. Yeah, well now nowadays yeah, they win like, Academy yeah. Awards. Well, yeah, and you also you 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 win Emmys, and you know you're on at eight o'clock when. No, I'm just the, saying. I'm just when, saying somebody's yeah. just texting yeah, me a picture text of their just, dick. Yeah, that's that's a dick. <laughs> that's a gay SMS. Well, yeah, why do I have a text text. right now? <laughs> uh, you have two. I've seen. I've seen it's better. actually two yeah. texts. You got to Photoshop them together. <laughs> So Aaron continues, but with this movie, I have a love-hate-love relationship. Didn't they do the cover of that Smith? No, that was Love Spit Love, sorry. When I when <laughs> we first saw it, Aaron writes, I enjoyed it. The more I thought about it, I started disliking it, mainly because it jumped the script so much from the original Freddy movie. But the more I think about it, I think I have a no prize for why this movie was so different than the others. My no-prize answer is that when Nancy pulled Freddy from the nightmare realm at the end of the original movie, this changed Freddy. 
and allowed him to eventually possess someone that lived in the house, which happened to be your young gay protagonist. Way to go, you beautiful gay bastard. That's when Jesse... <laughs> then when Jesse Let's just call him the gay-tagonist from now on. The gay-tagonist. Well, that, that's gay from... That, that's from Quirks. That's from Quirks the animated series. It's like that. Yes. You know, Dante or you know, Dante has to admit he's gay even though he's not. He goes, it's okay to be gay, son. <laughs> and that's uh, James Woods. Way to go, you beautiful gay bastard! Uh, yeah, the airplane when, pilot saying it to him is Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston, yes. <laughs> uh, Aaron continues. Then, when Jesse killed Freddy. This returned him to the Nightmare Realm, which would also explain his changed attitude in later movies, more joking and less serious. Anyway, loving the show and your guys' interaction. Keep up the great work, Aaron. Uh, that's a pretty good no prize. It's as good a yeah. no prize as I've heard for it because it's it's true. He you know he does get brought in at the end, and now his powers change, and then he's killed again, and his powers go back to where they were before. So. I'm a, I actually kind of dig that because, you know, like you said, you know, Honeywell, you said it earlier. His powers are still evolving and changing. He was changing. trying him out, and out. it was just like, why do I want to mess around in the real world when I can squash I someone in a ro- roach motel? Yeah. <laughs> I think that, that's, that makes a pretty good point, Aaron. I never in thought front, of that. But ahead, I think you've, you've hit something there. Yeah, that's um, I like it. I think they put more thought into it than the people who wrote. That's right. Too. He put way more thought into it than anybody who worked on that script. Yeah. So. I think that's that's a first off. Thank you very much for writing in. That's a really really good uh, no prize. Your no prize will be in the mail. So <laughs> keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, okay, we need to get some envelopes and a stamp. Right <laughs> So, but no, I mean that. I tell you what, that's you know I didn't I never thought of that, but that I'd buy it. I'd believe it. You know. Freddy's shown that is, you know, he can be acted upon by outside things and modified. So yeah, why the hell not? You know, if if the the if the Dream Warriors can go in and actively fight him in his realm, it would make sense that taking him out of his realm would change him up some. I like it. Yeah, I'm on board. It is now canon. It is now my head canon. Yep. So thank you, Aaron. So say we all. Yeah. <laughs> we have a quorum. <laughs> so, uh, and we have one other email, and this one a little more open ended. Uh, This is from Robert Ward, who simply writes Elm Street Question. And Robert writes, this one is big and can't be ignored. I'll love to hear the separate answers from you guys. You may have to wait a few episodes until after you finish Freddy's Dead. But question, what is your favorite soundtrack slash score to the Freddy films? Ooh, Ooh, that's tough. So far, the first one for me, just on score wise... Except, for, you know, afterwards you get a good cheesy 80s tune here and there, <laughs> here and there you know what I mean? I can, I, I'll give you my definitive I've had, answer. I've had it's... to actually track them all down for the shows, so I've yeah. spent a little, a little it's, it's hard to find them. They, a lot of them sound the same. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll have to go three just because, you know, <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... Yeah, th- this one is a I, this soundtrack. I thought you go docking, hero. Yeah, that's three. Yeah, that's I three. Is docking. I thought that was four. Oh no, we're on four. What we're on four. four. There's no. There's a lot of there's a lot of music. A lot of a lot of a lot of songs in this one. None of them are docking. Yeah. Well, the yeah. interesting thing also about this one is that this one has a lot of songs that are featured in the movie, and are credited, but don't actually 
play aren't on the official soundtrack. You know. Yeah, if you want a full Nightmare Four soundtrack, you gotta piece it together yourself. Right. I mean, um, Fatal Charm by Billy Idol, you know, is is a good tune, not on there. You know, the fat even the Fat Boys is not on the official soundtrack. No, it had its is own it single though. Yeah. Uh, right, right, right. right yeah. yeah, you you could get it, but I'm saying it wasn't on the soundtrack. You know, uh, Sinead O'Connor has a track on it. Uh, Blondie has a track on it. So that that again, that are not featured on the on the soundtrack. Blondie has a different song on the soundtrack than they do with the one that's not featured on the soundtrack. Um, yeah, you know, I I, I kind of have to go with three also because it is more just my style of music. But I can appreciate what they were doing here with four. Because, I mean, it's got rock, it's got, you know, new wave, it's got pop, it's got all sorts of different stuff so that it's um, appealing to a wide audience, you know, to try and and sell it. I mean, if you're doing the MTV Nightmare, you're going to do MTV music. So I can't really blame them uh, for that because it it makes sense and it's it's on board. But yeah, I mean, duck in and and you can't beat that. that. That's more my scene musically, so... I'm all on board with that's that. That's just my scene, man. That's where I'm at, bro. <laughs> I don't, I don't sound nothing like that. But uh, you know, there's, there's some good stuff here in, in four. But yeah, it's got to be three. And I, I don't really remember the soundtracks to any of the later ones. Um, Freddy vs. Jason's got some good stuff on it, but that's, that's got a good soundtrack. Yeah, it's got Jason a good versus, soundtrack. Uh, Freddy vs. Jason. But yeah, I don't know that. It, it's, no, I don't know if it's quite the same level as, as Nightmare Three. Right. Well, to be honest with you, Dream Warrior is like, that song's just, it's infectious. Yeah. So it just gets in your head and just stays there. Like, like I mean, almost as much Playing as like Alan right Parsons. in my just, head, literally, it's, yeah. it is. <laughs> anyway, but as soon as you said soundtrack, it's the first song I thought. I, I like the soundtrack from 4. I think 4 has got a good mix of stuff, but, uh, and because I, I kind of do like the Fat Boy song, because I always liked that video. Yeah, um, yeah. It was kind of just funny. Um, but I think the Dream Warriors is the best song of the entire thing. Um, but I've always been kind of partial to just the the um, not necessarily the, the the songs in the movie, but just the uh, you know just that like the ding, 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 you know that way that the music starts up in the beginning of uh, the original, right? Yeah. Right in the beginning of the you know, and that music's great because it's kind of I mean it's not it's it's iconic. I mean it's it's it hasn't it hasn't gotten to the point like of uh, like what Carpenter did with uh, Halloween. Right. But I'm saying is that that music always kind of like that's great. I mean, the problem is to me, um, you know, the one song that always sticks out is Dream Warriors, and then the Fat Boy song. So yeah, I mean, well, when you, you get know, to and it, and it's, it's Jason, it had it had more of like the Freddie Versus Jason songs. I don't even know if all of them were even the movie. The soundtrack has a lot of like good songs on it, but I don't know if they were yeah. in the movie per se. Well, or if they are, Night- if they are, Nightmare they are. Three also has Into the Fire at the beginning yes. from Dokken as well. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's got both of them. Yeah. Right. No, you're I'm right with Freddy. That. Yeah, Freddy versus Jason. If they are featured in there, they're not featured like the Dawkins songs where no. it's a showcase. No. They're there for a second. They're playing on, at the party or on the radio or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, it, it's funny you mentioning the the music here. The the dun, 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 dun. We talked about this, and I keep saying this a lot, but we talked about this back when we did the episode on horror soundtracks. And how it's very it, – it's, it's economical if you're making a horror film to have a Liet motif for your, your monster or your killer because then you can just play the Liet motif and the audience knows what's up, you know? And Nightmare does that in a subtle way because that little Liet motif for Freddy Krueger is consistent all through all the films. They have that little, yeah. that little piece in there. And we get that again. Like you mentioned Halloween. We have that. 
you know, we get that with, um, I, always, I always come back to Puppet Master has another one that uses that Leah motif really well. Little things like that that you can repeat and slip in and it's and suddenly it's it's devious sounding. It's like, oh wait a minute, you know, we heard we heard the Liet motif. You know what that means, you know? It's like it's or like Jason Voorhees cha 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 you know. That was yeah, it just And it just uh, you know, it, it's 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 <laughs> cinematic shorthand, you know, that's that's what you need. And uh, you know, when you're making you're making a franchise movie, that, that cinematic shorthand is important. Yeah, so yeah, that I, I hope that uh, I hope that addresses your 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 question, uh, uh, Robert. Why don't you why don't you write in and tell us, fans and listeners, what is your favorite soundtrack to a Nightmare on Elm Street film? What do you think of the Dream Master? Do you think it is a worthy successor to Dream Warriors, or is it just that one that we saw on TV a lot? I'm interested to see what people think because, like I said, I've always had a very high opinion of this film. And that I my opinion didn't change from watching it for the for the show. So I'm interested to see what other people think um, that that maybe haven't watched it in a while and will break it out and give us their thoughts. I don't know what to think and who to trust about five. So I'm looking forward to see. <laughs> trust your eyes. And then when you don't know, come and ask us. I've heard yeah. so much uh, so far and all my five is better than six. OK, that's the, like I tell you, five is better than six. That's uh. you can trade. It, it is. It oh, is. No, man. Oh, man. dude, don't don't even get to the, the six has. I don't try to remember the anything redeeming about six. Your fat Kodo's in it. That might be the redeeming value in the whole movie. Yeah, fat so, oh. you know, and oh, Anglin without the makeup and Alice Cooper. Yeah, Alice. yeah and, well, but I'm and saying Roseanne is, Barr. Yeah. I'll watch your fat Kodo in anything. I'll just say that right now. <laughs> Hey, don't make fun of Roseanne Barr. That's baby. our next president. Maybe it's for Tombstones, baby. I'm not. I'm not ranking on Yafet Koto. That's a shoot. I love Yafet Koto. He's awesome. <laughs> Names is uh, for Tombstones. It's a goddamn awesome. robot. Sorry. Yafet Koto. Koto long. Go for it. <laughs> Coming soon to oh. Two True Freaks. Yafet Koto podcast. It's a goddamn robot. But. <laughs> 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 that's awesome that would be, be freaking great <laughs> um, uh, okay so I uh, that, that's all the email again if you want to email into the show and give us your feedback please send all email to freakvault the one word freakvault at gmail.com and we will read your comments and respond to them here on the show. And we appreciate everyone who listens. So please, if you have some thoughts, opinions, think we're full of absolute crap, go Let's ahead and email photos. us and tell us so. Um, nude photos, no. I'm going to leave that one up to Tyler and Honeywell. I, I, don't, no I, I just work here. I don't want anything to do with that. Thank you very much. Uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, so um, what, do you, what kind of final thoughts we got on uh, Dream Master, guys? I was pleasantly surprised and found it to be not a serious movie, but more serious than I was led to believe. I I, I, I really en- I, I enjoyed it through and through. I, uh, I'm looking forward to part five. <laughs> <laughs> I am not looking forward to part five, uh, but yeah, this as uh, I love three so much um, that it is hard to compare them. But as a straight up inventive funhouse horror movie. Which is what this one is. It's trying to hit that four quadrant guys, girls, old and young. Well, mainly focusing on the young. This is a, a hell of a, a popcorn muncher. Good time with uh, with likable kids. I mean, you don't you you, you want to see these kids live, which is different than a lot of the, the horror yeah. movies that were coming out at the time. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, granted, the acting on most of them isn't that great, but uh, yeah, inventive kills, a great final showdown, great effects work. Uh, yeah, if if you're if you're not into the super gruesome for horror and you want to dip your toe into the nightmare waters, this is the one to to start with. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, ahead, I mean definitely. This is uh, this is. Like we've, like we've said, this is the one that we first saw uncut. It always has a special place with me because this is the first time I got to see a Nightmare movie, um, you know, not hacked to pieces on TV, uh, you know. And it, it is a very I – mean, I, think, I think the issue always becomes this, is that everyone has their favorite. And, and three is probably I – mean, I mean, I really like the first one. And of the sequels, I really, really like three. But this one's right there with three because we know – but once you know what the other stuff looks like in the series, you're kind of like, okay, well, this is better than that. And this is like, you know, I mean, it's hard to just quantify. This is a movie that if it's on, I'm watching it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's what is it. It's, it's, it's a fun movie. But it's not, I mean, I'm not sitting there going, this changed my life. You know, it doesn't change your life. It's just, but it's it's a good movie. It's fun. It's, you know, when, uh, when we finally get to the point where, um, you know, when, when Haley's actually want to watch to watch Nightmare Man on Elm Street, she's not interested in these movies right now. Like, this is there's nothing here that she can't see. I mean, we, we only quickly these boobs at one point at the end, and that's all you're seeing. And there's not hold on, there's not a ton of nudity. There's not there's not a lot. Like Luke said, there's not this thing isn't needs to be totally edited down for TV. It's not. So um, no, she's just gonna well, run around calling everybody needle dick though. Yeah, she won't though. She knows that? better. Yeah, What's well, wrong with that? <laughs> She, she knows, but look, it's a I mean, lot she, of needle dicks through. out there. I'm just saying. Well, there, really, yeah. there might be, but you know, we could do it anyway. I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's definitely. You know, you don't disagree with me. <laughs> well, I didn't say I disagreed, but I know my daughter would never because she was too afraid of getting in trouble. The one thing she balances that, like, hmm, this would be really funny if I said that, but Daddy would really scream very loud, so I'm not gonna say it, you know. But it's all good. Um, oh, yeah, but, you know, you'll, you'll you'll get that where you know I've got my middle guy. I'll say like, you know, you know my cousin, his cousin, she said something bad, and I don't want to say it and get in trouble. But can I tell you quiet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I whisper in your ear the bad word she said, is that okay? I'm like, yeah. yes, you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And by, by the way, he means cousin, not my my daughter, his no, cousin, my his other daughter. his other cousin. Yeah. So, so, so he can tell me what bad word she said, so I can yell downstairs. Don't say that nigga anymore. You know, the, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I spent all weekend screaming, "Stop screaming! Stop screaming in the house!" You know? Oh God, I'm having flashbacks to being a substitute teacher now. <laughs> like this is, this is what my life has become. I now. pay it's, to it's... be a fly on the wall and substitute teacher Chris Tyler's class. Oh, I was fun. I made the kids call me Mr. T. I, they had yeah, no I, I imagine was. you were. I would, pay, I, good or bad, I'd pay good money so to watch I, that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask just how many days did it take for them to stand on their desk and say, "Oh, captain, my captain," you know, when you were. No, 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 that didn't happen. Yeah. Tell me you at least said, no, Mr. Tyler is my father. Everybody calls me Mr. Tyler. Like, that's my dad. Oh, God. So, Luke, you're, you're good? You got any of your thoughts here? Uh, I'm just saying, you know, I, I said at the top of the show that I have a lot of affection for this film, and I, and I still do. It's, like I said, I, I love the creativity. I love the, the mythology building, the you know, introduction of the new heroine who continues on for 
a short while. And um, yeah, it, it's it's just a really it's a well done movie. It's enjoyable. I wish I had been old enough to see this in the theater, but I was more than happy to see it with my brother on HBO and uh, you know sit there and take it all in and just really enjoy this movie. And it's like I said, it stuck with me. You know, uh, I have all the Nightmare films on the <clears throat> the double feature, the five dollar double feature discs, which are actually real nice because they're actually two. Uh, they're not, it's not a double-sided disc, it's actually two separate discs for each movie, but it's in one Amaray case. And, you know, three and four, it's like, okay, well, this one can just stay on the top, just in case, you know. Yep. Don't gotta go peeking around for this one. Yeah, it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good deal there. So, uh, but, uh, there's, there's lots of ways, uh, to see this film on DVD. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, yeah, quad features for these too, I believe. Yep, there is. There's yep. two quad features for both of these, which uh, for for all eight. Uh, actually, yeah, because it features the one through four, and then uh, five and six, and then New Nightmare and Freddy vs. Jason. So that's a that's a pretty good for. I think they're yeah. like you can find them for about seven dollars. Yeah, you can pick these up for a song now. If you're not looking for any of the bonus features and you just want to watch them, rip through. Yeah, them. you can get all of them for yeah. like a total of fifteen dollars now. Yeah, not in, the uh, uh, yeah the Blu-ray the Blu-ray set originally was exclusive to Best Buy, uh, but now it's no longer exclusive. Anymore. In fact, for a long time, because uh, someone had said to me like, "Oh, they're on Blu-ray." I'm like, "They're not. They're not. They're not." You went to Best Buy; it's the only place you could buy it. Uh, the Blu-ray set that's all of them together. Um, that's thirty-six and uh, about thirty-six dollars or so on Amazon. You probably get it used for like twenty bucks. Uh, that's um, well worth. That has yeah. yeah, it has all of it. I mean, and and that's the full loaded everything. The only thing that doesn't come with that set. Which is a shame, is that it doesn't come with um, "Never Sleep Again." Never Sleep Again. Yeah, well, that was never... an independent production. Um, you can catch know, that on but, YouTube. You know, they... That's on YouTube in its yeah, entirety. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, but I'm yeah. saying, but it would be nice if they had put, like, if they had put "Never Sleep Again" as part of the set, because you can buy "Never Sleep Again" on Blu-ray itself. There's a book that goes with it, which I've actually had never had. I haven't had a chance to read yet because it just came out. But what I'm saying is, there's, there's, you can actually get. Uh, you know the thing thing with like Crystal Lake Memories. Those that's documentaries. On double, are, that's on a double disc now. Both of those documentaries. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which, yeah. I'm saying is, but it's it's it's. But I'm saying those together are two great documentaries. The shame is they never made a set of like all the Friday the Thirteenth with that and all the Nightmare on Elm Streets with that. The same way they should make a set of all the Hellraisers eventually ever in America ever would be nice. Um, and then include Leviathan. Like I would just you know I'm just saying I know they're independent stuff, but there's money to be made, you know, and when there's money to be made, people can put aside like, well, I guess we could disagree to it because, you know, let's make some money, you know, kind of thing. So, but yeah, it's available and it's, you know, um, I mean, the, th- the one thing is, I, mean, I have I have the Blu-ray set and I have the old DVD sets, the old red box yep. DVD set. And I that the was the only red way. Box. I got the, I had the black box set with the. Yeah, with... That, black, that, that extra disc in there. That was the only way to yes, get that disc. That's, um. Yeah, if you want that now, you're going to be paying for it. Uh, the archives with all the uh, promotional material and s- little snippets of interviews and the um, the nightmare game, the point and click game. Yep. Yeah. I mean, as that was, I actually got. Uh, I mean, I bought the box, and then what happened was, our friend John, um, you know, who was in my wedding and like that was stuff. Like, he actually got me that one of those discs. If from all his time at working at various different places like Spencer's and EB Games and all this stuff, he got his hands on just that disc and he gave that to me as a present. And I'm like, what is this? He goes, this is the disc you're missing from your set. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, and it's all this stuff. I'm like, that's why this is missing because there's no way you get all that stuff otherwise. Yeah. At least yeah. not back when you had to buy the red set. So, 
But Especially I'll if you want to watch the docking video. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, um, actually, what's sitting out in my garage right now, because I, I knew they were there and I just located them, is my brother's old VHS box set oh, collection yeah. of Nightmare that's... on Elm Street. So that'll that's going in my VHS collection. Uh, you know, along with my old Universal Monsters and my Star Trek movies and stuff like that, I have on my Star Wars movies all on VHS uh, because I'm weird like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, if you want to see, you want to see Nightmare on Elm Street Four, you got some options. And like I said, if you're if you're listening to this show, go ahead and pick them up if you don't own them. You will like it. You know, there's enough in here that's good that you will have a a a, a well, you will be well worth your money and time to pick up these films. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I guess uh, it's not much of a surprise that we will be coming back next time with Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Uh, it is customary to watch these films in order, so that is what we will be doing. And um, so I hope everybody enjoyed this episode, and come on back for the next one, Des- despite everything we've said about The Dream Child on this episode. <laughs> We're going to be talking about it. I'm looking forward <laughs> it to it. has a really it. good poster. It has a really cool poster. Yes. But the one of just the picture. The one of just Freddy, and it says he delivers. Oh, I, have, I have the one. I have it on. I have the magnet of it on my fridge. I have because uh, it was a really like the poster was really cool. That's when posters were cool, but you know. Well, that was the original. Uh, the teaser, original teaser yes. poster, just had a picture of Freddy, and it said he delivers. He delivers. Like, that's, a, yeah. that's a podcast title right there. When posters were cool. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. An 80s podcast. Well, actually, yeah. that goes hey, back. And, and an audio, and a completely audio podcast yes. about how great this picture <laughs> yeah, looks that I'm looking at. Describe cool <laughs> movie posters. You know my game. Elm Street's the place. You got the time. Listen to this. You'll bust the ride. Fred Kruger, the man. For Fred Kruger, the man. It doesn't matter because I'm still. It's time for Freddy. See, I'm a popular guy. If you don't know yet, you're gonna find out why. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. 
just search two true freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find two true freaks on Facebook. Just search for two true freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about two true freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Stay ready, because you know who's back. Freddy. You see, my name is Freddy, and I'm here to say, I'll wrap you up and take you away. You're tired and ready for bed Don't fall asleep or you'll wake up dead Where have you been, Lord, friend of my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. <laughs> <laughs>